This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. Chapter 2, as we're going to look at Luke. I've entitled my message today, Grow In. Grow in, not growing, grow in. We've been looking recently about the fact that we need to grow, that maturity is important, and we've been looking at things we can grow in and how we can grow and the importance of growing. So we're going to continue along those lines. So just while you're looking that up, have another really important announcement to make, and that is that Pastor Peter and Jasmine Guerrera over at Rushworth are actually stepping down as our location pastors um, over at Rushworth. Um, so they're still going to be part of the church. They're still going to run life groups and that sort of stuff. But at this stage, um, they're stepping down from the responsibilities of um, leading that as the location pastors. And so um, understand they'll be uh, holding the meeting out there this morning. Um, but I just want to thank them for their, for their time and their service uh, in that role. And we look forward to working together, um, continuing to work together as that role evolves and changes um, as well. So with that in mind, you might say, well, what's going to happen with the Rushworth Church? Um, there will be some changes happening and we'll probably talk about some of those changes uh, in the next few weeks uh, about what will be happening over in Rushworth. Um, There will still be a vital church over there. Um, You know, I've already... You know, aren't people wonderful things? Aren't we wonderful human beings? You know, I've already had one person say to me, you know, when they heard Pastor Peter was um, stepping down as as our location pastor, oh, so you're going to close the church, are you? No, we're not going to close the church. We're we're going to grow. All right, so... um, so I've already had people sort of saying, well, what's going to happen? What's, you know, this? And, um, and I, know, I know because we're human beings, there's going to be some people that say, well, Pastor Peter and Pastor Trevor have had a falling out and um, all that sort of stuff. That is not true. Um, that is 100% not true. We are still working together. We still love each other. The role is just going to evolve and a little bit change um, when it comes to being able to pay someone out there, um, but also uh, going forward what that's going to look like. Okay, so is that okay? So don't start any rumors on me or I'll have to start preaching about gossip. I don't want to start preaching about gossip, you know, even though maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> Some days I feel like I should. But anyway, that's all right. So this morning's message is called Grow In. And I guess my question in this is when we talk about grow, what are we growing into? And what are we becoming when it comes to that sense where it's like, yes, we're maturing, but you know, not all maturity is good maturity. There is times when the maturity actually isn't like good maturity because there's a point sometimes where maturity goes beyond being ripe and becomes rotten in some areas. You know, I I think about cheese, and the longer the cheese is matured, the better it tastes, I personally believe. In actual fact, I like cheese that has been matured for multiple years. And, you know, it always always makes me laugh when I go to the supermarket and it says, you know, super matured cheese, matured for 18 months. That's not matured cheese. That's just cheese that has just started to get better. You know, when I worked at Bonlac Foods many, many, many moons ago, every year uh, for our Christmas, they would break open a round of cheese. And what this round of cheese would be was a huge, great big chunk of cheese that is covered in wax and has been put in storage. And that cheese had matured for 20 years. And you might say, well, that's not possible. It'd be all moldy. No, it's wrapped in wax. It's air sealed. And I want to tell you, that's the best cheese I've ever eaten. 
And one of my favorite moments of working at Bonlac Foods was being able to experience 20-year-old cheese that had been matured properly. It was crumbly. It was beautiful. It tasted wonderful. And it was like, you know, so next time you go to the supermarket and you see, you know, matured cheese, matured for 18 months, just laugh at that cheese. Because that is only just started. It's really a baby when it comes to cheese. And so maturity is actually meant to bring the best out of us. But I guess sometimes what happens with our maturity is we become stale in it as well. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 22 because Jesus grew in some things that we're going to look at this morning that we're also able to grow in. So Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 41, it says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents, did not miss, his parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was with other travelers. But when he did not show up that evening, they started looking for him amongst their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting amongst the religious teachers, uh, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantically searching for you everywhere. But But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. When he returned to Nazareth with them, he was obedient to them, and his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and all, and all the people. God, we pray today that as we break open your precious word, Lord, that as you have promised to us, Lord, that it would be good seed in our life, Lord, that it would be water, it would be bread. Lord, it would be that hammer that's needed in those times. Lord, your word, Lord, is fire to us. Lord, it it washes us. Lord, it, it cleanses us. Lord, it builds our faith. And so we pray that as today, Lord, we open your precious word. Lord, that it would be life and help to us in your wonderful name. Amen. Now, the first thing I see here is this. They lost him. They lost Jesus. You think about that for a moment. You think about that, just just pause on that fact for a moment. Jesus' parents were bad parents. They lost him. Not only did they lose him, they traveled three days before they discovered that he wasn't there. And I think it's funny, we, we, we read about it there where it's like when they find him, you know, Mary's going, Jesus, what have you done to us? I want to tell you, young people, sometimes that happens with our parents. Where it's like, because I, I actually don't think it was Jesus' fault, really. I mean, who had the responsibility to be the parent in that situation? I actually think those parents had the responsibility to understand where Jesus is. And we have that experience in church sometimes where I'm talking to a parent and they'll go, oh, where's my kid? I don't know, probably playing on the road, probably outside running around the car park or something. See, it's our responsibility as parents to keep an eye on our children. And so my first point is this, is don't lose Jesus. Don't lose him. 
don't know whether you've ever had that knock on the door, where knock, 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 and you go there and the, open the door and the person says, have you found Jesus? Great response is, I didn't know he was lost. It's a great response to say, well, actually, I didn't know Jesus was lost. I think we're the lost ones. Jesus is totally found. He understands 100% where he is and what he's doing. And so if we're not careful, us lost ones can be going, well, hang on, I've lost Jesus. See, the issue here was the parents didn't miss him. Now, we have to cut them some slack because culturally it wasn't um, unusual for other family members to be caring for him. It wasn't unusual for other people to be looking after him and it got to a point where at the appointed time when they were meant to come together, he wasn't there. See, they assumed, the Bible says, they assumed that Jesus was somewhere else. Can I encourage you that in your maturity as Christians, don't, don't just assume that Jesus is somewhere. Because if we're not careful, we just assume he's somewhere. Sometimes in our prayers, we just assume that he's there. Where when we pray, it's like, God, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Instead of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, sometimes we live our life where it's like, well, and I actually have people come to me and say, I'm going to do this. Can you pray that I'm blessed? Can I encourage you that if you're doing the will of God, you will be blessed? You don't need to come to the pastor and say, well, you know what? I'm going to do this. Can you pray that I'm blessed in this endeavor? No, if you're doing the will of God, then you're already blessed and there's already favor resting upon you. So don't just assume. Don't just, because our whole um, topic and our whole thing about growing at the moment is about staying connected to the vine. And when you're connected to the vine, what happens is you draw strength from the vine and your fruit is a result of what you're tapped into rather than what you're hoping for. So don't lose Jesus, whatever you do. Don't lose sight of him. Don't lose sight. You know, the Bible says it this way, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your gaze. One of the things that I've been doing a bit of study on motorbike riding because the other week we went down and we rode the, rode the Great Ocean Road and I realized that I need to work on my cornering because up here we have lots of straight roads. We have lots of straight roads that are just straight. And even our corners, they're not real corners when you compare it to some of the hairpins. And so there was a couple of sketchy moments that I had in that four hours of riding the Great Ocean Road where it was like, you know what, I need to get better at this so I survive the next time I, leave, I, drive, I ride that road. And one of the secrets is when you're motorbike riding, you go where you look. So if you want to turn around a corner, you actually turn there. You don't look at your front wheel because if you're looking at your front wheel, you're going to go straight. And on a corner, gets what's straight? Something. Might be a tree. Might be a ditch. And there's some YouTube videos you can watch where it's like the motorbike riders have got fixation on something. They come around a corner and they panic and there's a car coming. So they look at the car because they don't want to hit the car and they end up hitting the car because they're not looking where they want to go. You've got to ignore the car and you've got to look where you want to go. Well, it's the same in life. Where you look is where you end up. Where you look is where you are. We could do the, ex the experiment where we could set up a race here today where it's like, you know, clear out some seats and we can get someone and some per one person has to look at the finish line where someone else has to look sideways. Someone else has to look down. Guess who's going to get there first? Guess who's going to get there straight? 
The person who's looking ahead, not the one who's looking to the right or to the left or down at their feet. No, see, where we fix our gaze is where we'll end up. So can I encourage you as a born-again believer, keep your eyes firmly on Jesus Christ. In actual fact, the later the hour becomes, the more we have to fix our gaze, the more important it is. I mean, it's always important. But, you know, in times of trouble, it's more important. It's more important. You know, I I talk to people some days and they're disillusioned with the organisation of church. They're disillusioned with the family of church because what they've done, they've shifted their gaze off Jesus and they've put their gaze on an event that happened or a person that hurt them or a word that was said or something. That was, and so their gaze has been shifted and they've lost sight of Jesus and they've become fixated. And often it'll be fixated on an event that happened and because they're so fixated on that event, they can't get past that event. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. I'm a simple man. The answer is Jesus. That's what it is. The answer is Jesus. What's your problem? The answer is Jesus. What's the issue? The answer is Jesus. doesn't matter what the issue is. We need to fix our eyes on him. So they assumed that Jesus was somewhere where he wasn't. And it took them three days to wake up. So what did they do? Second point. They went back to where they lost him. They didn't just keep pressing on. They didn't just keep walking on. They didn't just say, you know what, we'll be back there in 12 months because that's what we do every 12 months. So we'll just pick him up 12 months later. Now, they might have felt like that sometimes. And as parents, we feel like that, but that's not what they did. What they did was they returned to Jerusalem. And I reckon that the search was frantic because it says it in the Bible. It says they frantically searched for him because... Mary understood who Jesus was. Joseph understood who Jesus was. And they understood that they'd lost the Messiah. They'd lost the saviour of the world. They'd lost the one who was going to set up the new and better way. And so they searched frantically. But what they did was they backtracked and they looked at where they lost him. Can I encourage you, if you're feeling lost, maybe you need to take a step back along the path you've been, to realign with where you found him. And that can be something as simple as, I used to have a good habit in my life of getting up early and reading the Bible, but what happened was life got in the way and so I stopped doing that. And because I stopped doing that, I lost my connection. Well, if that's the case, can I encourage you that you need to backtrack to where you last felt like you had that connection. One of the things I need to do in life is when I'm frustrated and when I feel like things aren't going right, I jump in my car and I just drive. Because when I'm driving, I'm talking to God. When I'm driving, it's, it's a place where I'm able to talk to him. Often what will happen is I'll end up out the river somewhere and I have spots in life where I go to where I know that it's a spot where my faith, it doesn't mean that God is any closer to me there because he's as close to me here as there, but my faith connects with that moment. And because my faith connects with that moment, I actually feel as if I'm closer to him and I find conversation is easier. So you need to go back to where that place where you found him. So the next point, number three, is that Jesus learned early that the Father has a purpose. Jesus learned early that the Father has purpose. 
In verse 20, uh, sorry, in verse 46, it says this, three days later they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. See, he wasn't lost. In actual fact, his response to Mary when she says, Jesus, what have you done? What are you putting us through? We've been frantically searching for the last three days. What have you done to to us? He wasn't lost. He was where he needed to be. He was in the temple. He was in the Father's house. And he actually says that to Mary. He says, well, didn't you know that I would be in my Father's house? Why was he in the Father's house? He was in the Father's house because the Father is full of purpose. He was there because he was learning. He was there because he was answering questions. One of the great ways to learn in life is to ask questions. Firstborn, Bevan, he's a question asker. He's one of these kids that just drives you crazy with asking questions. You think I'm crazy now? You should have met me before I had Bevan. I was totally normal, wasn't I? Okay, I was totally normal before I got married. It's not true either. I think we're all a bit strange. And someone said to me the other week, I struggle with mental illness. I say, we're all mental. We're just mental in different ways. Some of us just mask it better. <laughs> Don't worry, I know. <laughs> you get that duck syndrome, we're all nice and calm and fluffy on the outside, but underneath we're going, few miles an hour. <laughs> Jesus was just in the house. He was just there. Can I encourage you, good things happen in the house of God. Good things happen in the house of God. Questions are important. Make sure you're asking questions. Don't just assume. Ask questions. Have some people in life that sometimes come up to me and go, I've got a question. I love questions. Doesn't mean I can answer them. Doesn't mean I have all the answers, but I love questions. Because those questions that I can't answer, what it actually does is it creates a thirst in my life to actually discover the truth as well. And that's why in life group and those sorts of uh, meetings, we're not recreating a whole new emphasis. We're actually asking questions and we're meant to be digging deeper and we're meant to be doing some more research so that we can start to discover deeper truths in the Word than what we're able just to bring out on a Sunday. So Jesus grew. Jesus grew in some things. In actual fact, I'll, I'll read it. Verse 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, and favour with God and with all people. So the first thing here I see that Jesus grew in was wisdom. Now you might say to me, but hang on, Pastor Trevor, wasn't Jesus God? He was fully God, but he was fully human. And so he still needed to grow in his wisdom because he operated in his humanity rather than his Godhead. So we need to, I mean... Let's get really basic here for a moment, church. If Jesus grew in wisdom, guess what we need to do? We need to doubly grow in wisdom. If Jesus was one who understood that he needed to ask questions so he could grow in wisdom, guess what? We need to grow in wisdom as well. We need to grow. Because wisdom is not just something that accidentally happens. Wisdom is something that needs to be nurtured and something that we need to cultivate and something that we need to search out. And so let's jump right back to Samuel. 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 22, it says, Now Eli was very old, but he was aware of of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his son was seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the temple. Eli said to them, 
I've been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you are doing. Why do you keep sinning? You must stop, my sons. The reports I hear among the, the Lord's people are not good. If someone sins against another person, can God mediate for the guilty, for the guilty party? If, but if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons would not listen to their father, for the, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. Meanwhile, meanwhile, so you've got two stories. You've got the sons of Eli who are meant to be ministering in the temple and they're doing evil things in the temple. They're doing things that were not only against the law of God, but it was against the very heart of God as well. So verse 26, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with the people. And so you have this moment where it's like we've got two, story, two contrasts. Um, Eli's sons refused to do what was right. But Samuel, he chose to grow in favor with God and favor with the people. And the results was this, was Eli's sons ended up dying where Samuel ended up becoming the king anointer. He became the tool that God used to bring the word of the Lord to the nation of Israel. He was the one. Why was he chosen and the others rejected? Because Samuel chose to grow in favor with God and favor with the people. So, grow, so to grow in wisdom, it actually begins with, speak, Lord, I'm listening. That's where wisdom starts. Wisdom is not an accident. You don't just stumble upon wisdom. It's not a genetic trait that is put into your family. It's not something where it's like you're born fully wise. No, it's something that we need to nurture and something we need to grow in life. And I reckon in Samuel's life, and we're going to read in a minute in um, chapter 3, verses 1 through to 14, where Samuel's wisdom and his anointing actually came from the, the teaching that Eli gave to him about when God speaks, we need to surrender to the voice. So this is 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through to 14. It says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of the Lord... Oh, sorry, the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. What a place to sleep. What a place to rest. Now, this is Old Testament and so even more significant about the fact that here little Samuel got to sleep in the ark of the covenant. The ark of the covenant in the Old Testament actually represents the presence of God. As New Testament believers, we can sleep with the presence of God. I need to say that again because some of you struggle with sleep. We can sleep with the presence of God. When you lay your head to rest, you need to understand and you need to have confidence that the presence of God is not only with you, but it surrounds you, it keeps you safe. Verse 4, suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. 
Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he hadn't, had never received a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called to him a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized the Lord. it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, he teaches Samuel, he gets what he has experienced in life, and he passes it on to this little boy called Samuel. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. If someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I am, a, I am going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from the beginning to the end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and haven't been disciplined and, and he hasn't disciplined them. Verse 14, so I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will, be, will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Now we can look at that, especially that last verse, and go, ooh, that's a bit harsh. That's a bit, oh, I thought God was all loving. Look at the process. God says, I have warned him over and over and over and over and over and over, but he refuses to listen. He refuses to do the very thing that, I, that, he was, that Eli was asking Samuel to do. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And so Samuel understood that the beginning of wisdom actually starts in the presence of God. It starts with his voice because I don't know about you, but in my life, I don't want to live my life by the wisdom of a man because our wisdom is really messed up. I was thinking about our political system and our political system, and, and this is where I get frustrated because our political system, it frustrates the living heebie-jeebies out of me. Now, I don't know what a heebie-jeebie is, but I know I've got none left because I've been, they've been frustrated out of me. Because things like the Reason Party, right, formerly known as the Sex Party, and formerly before it was the Sex Party, it was the Cyclist Party. Probably didn't know that. So it's been through three reincarnations. And so all of a sudden it's like, because I, I, don't, I don't get it. Like It was originally the Cyclist Party and then it became the Sex Party. What happened there? Don't know. But then it became the Reason Party, but... Our last election in Victoria, the Reason Party, who actually basically holds the, the um, balance of power in a lot of things in our parliament, I think they got a total of about 12,000 votes out of the whole state. And I look at that and I think, how does a party that gets 12,000 votes end up with having a balance of power? Our political system is sick. But the alternative of allowing the party that gets the most votes to have ultimate power would be just as bad. Why? Because humanity is sick. And so I get frustrated by those moments. I, I, I get frustrated by that. But you know what? If our political system would just listen to the voice of God and just carry out the voice of God, then our world would be a better place. In actual fact, if we just lived by God's golden rule, you know, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, our world would be a better place. So wisdom actually begins 
in his presence. Wisdom actually begins by, speak, Lord, I'm listening. Young people, if you want to be wise, you need to hear the voice of God. You need to learn the voice of God. One of the saddest scriptures in the Bible, we just read it before, where it was like, in those days, the word of the Lord was very rare. Now, that's Old Testament. See, New Testament, the word of the Lord abounds everywhere. The word of the Lord is everywhere because we have personal relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So the quicker we learn the voice of God and the quicker we heed to the voice of God, the wiser we will be. Now, wisdom in the kingdom doesn't look like wisdom in the natural some days. You know, sometimes kingdom wisdom goes against, you know, those moments where it says, bless your enemies. You know, in the natural, that might not make sense. You know, pray for your enemies, bless them. You know, it might not make sense. Those moments where it's like if you'd see someone who doesn't have a coat, give them your coat. If someone strikes you on one side of the face, turn the other cheek. You know, in the natural, that doesn't make sense. In actual fact, if someone strikes me, I'm ready to go. Bring it on. Actually, I size them up first. Because no one goes to war without sizing up the cost. That's what happens. That's why bullies are bullies. Because they've sized up the cost. And they'll pick on the weak rather than picking on the strong. So wisdom actually begins with that speak, Lord, I'm listening. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 9. Because if we're to grow in wisdom... If we're to grow in wisdom, we need to etch Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 onto our hearts, where it says this, Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. That's the foundation. That's the beginning point. Because what's the foundation? The foundation is what everything else is built on. The foundation is what everything, so a foundation in a building is what everything else um, springs off of. And if the foundation is crook, then guess what? The building will be crook. Now that little earthquake we had a little while ago? Because an earthquake will test your foundations. And if there's a flaw in the foundation of your building, when the world shakes, when there's a shaking that happens, it, actually, it, it will actually reveal uh, the strength of our foundation. And I want to tell you, the ones that are coming out the other end of the pandemic better than when they went in are those whose foundation are founded on the rock, founded on Christ. Why? Because it doesn't matter what the world may shake. It doesn't matter what may happen. If our foundation is right, then we're given wisdom to know how to journey through that. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. So knowledge applied is wisdom. Because you might say to me today, Pastor Trevor, what is wisdom? Wisdom is basically just knowledge applied. And so we take the knowledge we have and the knowledge we learn, and when we apply that, we grow in wisdom. In my research this week about what wisdom is, you know, some people were saying, well, wisdom actually comes from experience. And that's true. That's true. When you've experienced something, you can be wise in that situation. You know, um, our youngest son, Aaron, has a girlfriend down in Geelong, so if he's here every second weekend, that's because he's down there romancing the stone or whatever is happening, <laughs> you know. And, and so there's this moment where it's like, you know, the first time he had to drive to Geelong by himself, he came to the all-knowledgeable one when it came to driving. And he says, well, what's the best way to go? So he went to his mother 
because she's the one that tells me how to drive even though I know where I'm going. It's true, you can ask her. (laughs) See, because of experience, we know how to get there. And at the moment, they're doing some roadworks on the ring road. And so it wasn't the best way to go because you had to detour through Melbourne. And so we sent him the back way, which is a very pretty way to go. It's a very nice way to go, but it's a little bit different. There's multiple, you know, you get down to certain points and there's multiple ways you can go. And in actual fact, if you follow your navigator, it'll actually send you back to the city even though you're going the back way. And so with knowledge, you understand that, you know what, the navigator wants me to go through Sunbury, but I actually want to go through Gisborne. And so if I want to go through Gisborne, I have to turn here rather than just keeping on a track there. See, wisdom actually comes from experience, but the experience provides knowledge for us. So it's all based in knowledge. So knowledge of the Holy One, I'll have to read this again. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. If you want good judgment, you need to have knowledge of the Holy One. Why? Because He is wisdom. So knowledge applied is wisdom. We just need to make sure we're applying it in the right ways. Some of the musos come back. If you're not coming back to play an instrument or sing, why don't you turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, Do not turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you, love you, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. See, here's Solomon, who's known as the wisest man who ever lived. His advice to us is this, is don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you, love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. You want to be wise? You need to get wisdom. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. How do we develop good judgment? By fearing the Lord and applying that knowledge that we learn in his presence into practical day-to-day life. So Jesus grew in favour. He grew in wisdom. He grew in favour both with God and with man. And I want to encourage you, don't mix those up. It's good to grow in favour with man. Young people, it's good to be in favour with your friends and that sort of stuff, but don't mix up the order. The order is this, Jesus grew in favour with God first and then with man because there's choices that we will make that will put us at odds with the rest of humanity. It will put it at odds with your family. It will put you at odds with your friends. It will push back against peer group pressure and those sorts of things. And so if we're not careful, we can please man first. And when we're pleasing man first, we will never, ever, ever get to a place where we please God fully. So when we please God, that brings us to a place where we're able to please man as well. Got a lot more I was going to say, but maybe we'll leave that, throw that over to another week. So why don't you stand up? So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to increase our wisdom. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would shine that wonderful searchlight you have on our heart. Lord, that you would allow us to understand, Lord, the importance of gaining wisdom in our life. And even as Jesus was one who was willing to grow in wisdom, that he grew physically, that happens. That's a natural process. Each year we get a year older. But Jesus was allowing himself to grow in wisdom. 
He asked the right questions to the right people. He spent time with the Father. And as he spent time with you, Father God, you imparted heavenly wisdom to him. I pray that we would learn from his example, that we would continue to search deeper in our relationship with you. And out of that, we know that the closer we are with you, the more favoured we are in you. Even as we looked at last night, when we're faithful with the little, God increases. The reward's the same for the person who has five talents or two talents. The reward was the same. Faithfulness brought that reward for them. But the person with one talent went, you know what, I don't want to lose this, so I'm going to bury it. Unwise choice. So, Lord, I pray we would be wise with our decisions. We would be wise with our choices. Lord, and as we increase the wisdom in our life, Lord, by increasing our relationship and the time we spend with you, Lord, we know, Lord, that favor comes. Lord, that life results. Lord, even as we read in Proverbs there, that wisdom actually becomes a protection. It becomes a guard to our heart. We're able to make adult decisions. We're able to make mature decisions. Not just decisions that are made because we've read it in a book or it's something we maybe should do because we've heard it in a sermon. Lord, but we grow in the kingdom and we become believers that, can't, don't, that not only hear, but we're able to pass on to the next generation. Lord, those successful principles, Lord, in our heart as well. Lord, in your wonderful name. We commit ourselves to it. Lord, in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. We're going to sing number five, which is God is good, good father. That's it. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.